Welcome back to Two Homers and a Realist. This is the post-game pod for the OUSU Bedlam game, the last Bedlam for some time. We're going to have a lot to talk about, and we're going to try to restrain ourselves, but we're going to give you the straight dope on all of it. I'm Steve. I'm Connor. Lucas. Jay. Before we get into it, special thanks to our post-game sponsor, Tobacco Exchange. Best locations, best pricing, best staff, best selection in the entire metro area when it comes to your cigar needs. Um, check them out when you can. Let them know that we sent you there. We got some smokes tonight from them. Lucas, what are we smoking? Uh, I've forgotten. It's a. It's an Oscar. Oscar Valladeros. Yeah. Sound right? That sounds correct. Heaven, Heaven and Hell is what it's called. Heaven and Hell. Well, and we found hell. hell. Yep. We're definitely in hell. Well, guys, do they sell narcotics? <laughs> I nope. think their neighbors do. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not heavy enough stuff for what you're wanting. Um, OU loses. Uh, final score was 24-27. Um, it's going to be tough because there's a tale of two frustrations here. One is a game plan and execution that was so poor and left so much to be desired that immediately we're taking notes early in the first quarter with frustration, worried that this is going to be a loss, which of course materializes. But in addition to that, the officiating down the stretch and in crunch time was so absolutely god-awful. I don't know if they're competent enough to be deliberately corrupt, but I do think there is a level of corruption going on, not a conspiracy in my estimation, but, uh, but views differ, but at least a desire to not let OU get the calls that they absolutely should get. And we'll detail a lot of those. It is amazing how much Twitter is blowing up about it. Nationally. Nationally, from, from people with no stake in the game, definitely not OU supporters by any means. You're seeing it across the board, and it is... It's, it's telling. It makes it a little satisfying, but it's also very frustrating. But I think one thing that we can all agree on beyond the, just the fact the officiating was horrific is that Jeff Lebby needs to be fired. Jeff Lebby is clearly, that experiment is over. It's not going to work. We need to move in a different direction, and we need to do so as quickly as possible. He's absolutely in over his head. We've talked about it for two years, unsure of the hire, Initially, slightly excited because the old-school Baylor offense is simplistic but effective. But he is 110% learning on the job, and this is not a program that gets that type of offensive coordinator to run your team. This is not a learning game. This is not a or program. This is not a place where you break in and find your footing you got to be able to hit the ground running in this type of an environment. And he is clearly, now here we are, more than a year and a half into it in terms of games, not capable. Yeah, the, time, the time's up. I mean, I, I think to Jay's point, we've sat here for a season and, and a half plus, um, giving, his, giving him the opportunity to kind of prove himself and We've had some speculation, especially lately, of, of if he is or is not the guy. I don't think we've firmly uttered the words, 
across the board amongst the four of us that he needs to go. Yeah, it's time. It, he, it is absolutely time. There's no more. There's no more room. You're out of time in terms of what you need to be doing um, to get ready for the SEC. He has shown no clear vision of progressing and making his offense better um, with whomever he has out there. It's it, time's up, and um, Venables can't afford to keep rolling the dice with him. He can't afford to, to give him another chance in the offseason, whether or not he has Jackson Arnold or not. Get someone in there who you know is going to be able to run your offense effectively. Put up points that you need, especially when you're holding teams to the points that we're holding them to, and move on from him. So, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm with you, Steve, Jay. Um, that was, that's one part of what we saw today. Um, but I, I agree that the time is up on, on Jeff Lebby as Oklahoma's offensive coordinator. I'm super disappointed all the way around. Um, off, obviously offensively, which I've been ringing that bell for two full seasons now. Um, it's really hurt us the last couple weeks, but all season long, outside of the rum dums we played in the non-conference, our only good scoring game really was Iowa State, and I think we had a defensive touchdown in that game to make it 50. Um, the officiating obviously was horrendous. We honestly probably played well enough, even with our limitations on offense, to win the game, and maybe by multiple touchdowns if they just correctly call the game. Um, but here it is again. We're walking away with a loss in a game that should have been a win if we just played decent. And Andrew Rame really killed us with some bad snaps today. We had two turnovers just because of bad snaps. And it's hard to win football games when you're not evenly matched, but even a little bit better than the other team. But turnovers are just killers. That's the difference in the game, right? I mean, I think both those turnovers lead to points. I know the second one did. I'm, I'm pretty sure the first one did as well. Um, well, either way, it limits your possessions. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. So I wanted to highlight a few things that were positives because we, wanna, we, we don't want them to go unsaid, but they will then, in contrast, because they're so limited, highlight how poorly we played, and then we will get into the details of how poorly we played in, in terms of mostly play calling. One of the things we saw maybe for the first time this season was a GT counter, and it worked. Uh, Walker was able to get the TD. We haven't seen that, I don't think, at all this year. Um, that's kind of become a staple in most successful offenses. Uh on offense, that might be the extent of it. Other than getting yourself back into the game and having some success, um, you know, we had some deep balls that were caught that were amazing. Farouk's catch down the sidelines was really, really good. He got pass interfered with, and he still caught the ball. Um, that was incredible. Uh, what What am I missing? Well, I guess running game was really strong. We saw um, running game. Was running really game strong. was really good. Yes. So Sawchuck really ran really well. Sawchuck yes. had thirteen carries. For 111 yards, 8.5 yard average. 64 of that was on one one play. Well, that's fine. Tommy Walker came in, had eight carries for 59 yards for a 7.4 yard carry. But we average. went away from the run. Brilliant. Yeah, we did go away from the run at, at odd times. Except except the except second to last the, possession where we're where we we're doing a hurry up and run times. it three straight plays. Yeah, it it just is inexplicable. And so it, look how quickly we slip into the criticism like that. 
one of the things that was very confusing was subbing out Toby Walker for for Smothers to come in. Um, what was that all about? Why why are you playing a guy who has seen limited less than ten carries throughout this entire season? Well, I know we're focused on positives, but I, again, we are just to, well trying to. Nah. Um, but uh, if Demarco Murray is the one who's running personnel, and from mm-hmm. everything we've heard and what Venable said, he is. He doesn't know what he's doing just as much as what Jeff Levy doesn't know what he's doing. No, it, it's problematic. So it's you're you're he's not only putting the the game in question uh, or the game that we're playing in question with the guys he's running out there. He's risking losing a running back like Caleb Hicks to the transfer portal or Javante Barnes, which I'm not saying Barnes should be playing, but when you're putting Smothers in over a guy who like Hicks, who for all accounts seems like the more talented back from what we've seen. And just last and night, heard. late on Twitter, put out something that you would Hicks maybe did. assume yeah, Hicks, that he's yeah. going to get on the field. Yeah, so I don't know. I think, we spun that a different way. Yeah. Maybe he was saying, oh, I'm not part of the game plan. I'm out of here. I don't know. So, yeah, and I, I, as much as the market yeah, has been could have been great, the end, end scene. Like the, yeah, that's yeah. a wrap. That's oh, a wrap. Yeah. And as much as, as much as he's been great on the recruiting trail um, – other guys can be great on the recruiting. Yeah, field. I don't think that's he, not I, enough. I, I think it's time for Demarco to go. He solidified his legacy as a running back here at Oklahoma. He's tarnishing that with his poor rotation, rotation and coaching. And it's we're in what this was the eighth, ninth game of the year today. Ninth, ninth, ninth game. Ninth yep. game of the year, and we're just now getting our run game going. Yeah, nine games into the season at, at Oklahoma. Yeah. RBU, quote unquote, and we we finally roll really with yeah. we finally roll with one running back and give him multiple carries in a row on multiple series, and he produces. And but then then we put in Javante Barnes. No fault of his. I'm not even going to blame him. He hadn't been on the field in five football games. Rain snaps it in front of his face and it's mask. A, and it's a halfback direct he played a snap bit last week. flea flicker. He played a little bit last week. Yeah. What is he doing on the field? It is. It is so confusing. So that, that gets us into just the crazy negatives, which I continue will relate back to coaching in almost all cases, even though it's going to be some player blame as well. Why is Stogner playing? Why is Stogner playing? Why? Why is he playing? I don't know if he has. Some I don't sort understand. Of like dirt on. Does he know where the bodies are buried? Yeah. Why is he playing? It's just it, he's the it. amount of blocks that that guy misses, and just they're plain and obvious blocks on running and passing plays. It's, it's just, not just he, one or the other. He's not a threat to he catch. He doesn't look like nope. he knows what he's doing. He uh-uh. caught one ball today. He did. On he a, did on just a last minute check down essentially for Gabriel. Yeah. Right. Anyone can catch that ball. Yeah. Anyone, and get the same yardage that he got. So let's transition to Dylan. He cannot throw a deep ball. He cannot. I'm sorry, folks. Quit telling me he's good. He was never a Heisman candidate, seriously. He was, he's not that good. I don't think he'll be drafted. He's not good. I think those he's deep not balls that he threw today that were, that were all, like good throws, those are more of the flash in the pan Dylan Gabriel type of stuff. Like the stuff that it was one out of five. One out of five of his deep balls were not bad yeah. balls. Yeah. And That's he, not acceptable. He throws behind guys. Yeah. He throws. He waits too long to throw. He stares down routes, uh, and all that said, he played good for him. That is a good Dylan Gabriel performance we saw today. That's all you're going to get out of him. I'm going to blame Jeff Levy for not having him prepared and not knowing where we need to be, and whoever is making these decisions, including if it's Venables, choosing to play him 
over Jackson Arnold at this point, you know, at some point in the season at, at, to where we've gotten right now? Because we're probably a different team with Jackson Arnold. Be- before we get on the Arnold train, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back to the tight end comments. It goes even further than just why is Stardner on the field. Why did we not recognize that we didn't have enough at tight end and go find more tight ends in the portal? Just a guy. Anybody. We got a converted quarterback from Michigan State to come in and play backup tight end. That is absolutely unacceptable. Who now can't we beat have out the guy that we have a great tight end, you know, coming in next year. Oh boy! If he if he continues to come in, and we and, and several people talked about it earlier too. Like we need to show. I think it's Devin Mitchell. Yeah, Devon Mitchell. Yeah. Devon Mitchell, that we use a tight end. Well, we've sure done that. Right. I mean, what? Yeah, you. Why wouldn't the best tight end in the country want to come you here? Want. You can cut back block all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm going to get into Jeff Levy a little bit, and then, of course, we'll get into some other stuff. Um, and I do want to make sure we talk about how good that I think the defense played today. Overcoming injuries, I, I, I think they gave us every opportunity to win. They got stops when we needed to get stops. They had some letdowns. They had a lot of injuries. We had three to five starters out throughout the bulk of this game. Uh, I think that Kip Lewis looks like a maniacally good um, I think Stutz and Kip might be the, the new starting two. Kanick looks like he needs a lot of help. I don't think he's there yet. Um, he's out of position. A lot of problems there, but Kip Lewis played extremely good. I'm just amazed at what the defense can overcome with the injuries they've got, plus with the fact that the offense was making them get back on the field as quickly as they were. And that's very something, difficult. Something that, I mean, if you're going to take any sort of sliver of hope or positivity from this game, which I know most people won't, I don't even know if I will, we're so, we, we're so depleted on the defensive side of the ball in terms of just who's been out and between Gentry Williams not being able to be in there every snap, um, obviously Danny Stutzman, which we filled that role pretty well today. Uh-huh. Um, Key Lawrence went out. Robert Spears Key Jennings Lawrence came in and looked out. good. Pearson's out the entire first half because of uh, the targeting call last week. Um, so, I mean, you're dealing with a lot of different stuff there. and Gentry and in the second half. Yeah, you're still able to you're still able to hold Oklahoma State, especially in, it wouldn't – we made Ollie Gordon a, almost a non-factor outside of those, those – yeah. We did Close everything we wanted to do with all. I mean, we we stop him multiple times on uh, fourth and shorts. Um, so <laughs> yeah, there, there, it we was had three not, turnover on downs against him. Yeah, we 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 absolutely and interception did what you have to do with a talented running back like that. Um, I had a few complaints with the defense. Um, we were playing off coverage a lot, and very they soft they never corners. really tried to throw it over the top, but maybe. Twice, and Bowman's I feel not like skilled in that position. He's not a big over-the-top guy, and yet our safeties were still playing pretty far back, which is fine. But the corners giving them ten yards off the ball on third and sevens, you're, they were just begging for comeback routes, and so they would run it twelve yards and come back three and catch it for a first down. It was a less extreme version of 2014 Baylor. Yeah, the Julian Wilson game. Yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, I, I and I don't. And it wasn't the entire game, but there were big moments on third down where we're not playing press coverage that 
that are begging for the press coverage if they're not going to throw if you're not going to test you deep those are those are plays that should be contested balls at seven or eight yards on a third and seven or third and eight that you knock them down and they're punting but instead we're giving them 10 to 12 yards on a comeback so yeah that's that's a good point so not a perfect game by any means but it an effective game a game call and a game execution that puts you in a position where you could win the game so with levy um what is this rinky dink crap we're running i think it's playground ball that direct snap to barnes where he's supposed to hand it off to gabriel and then Gabriel's, and then supposed, Gabriel's to supposed to toss it to, to Stoops, Gavin. I guess, or Gavin. Gavin. Yeah. What are we doing? Freeman. Freeman. And there was no need. The offense doing traditional plays, whatever you want to call it, was working just fine. It makes no sense whatsoever. And he's done exactly. it all season. Yes. In the weirdest in the, moments. In the most inopportune times possible. Well, it gets back to something I think, and I've written down, he cannot sequence a drive. No. He no. cannot figure no. out. There's two, th- there's two major shortcomings here. One is he cannot sequence a drive to figure out what it takes to put it together in the time and down and distance and everything you're trying to achieve to figure out what they're giving you and how to have success. Even knowing some things are not going to always work, but he, it makes no rhyme or reason with the stuff he does. And then the other thing is he's got no sense of what are we trying to achieve on this drive, what has had success, and should you be running? Should you be passing? It's almost like he's randomly choosing plays. Well, it's like he has situational this, awareness. Yeah, he has no this, situational awareness. He has this list of plays. It's almost like he's like, hey, these. This and is he's got to do them. I have to. I have to make sure I check all the boxes. As opposed to, man, that worked really well. I wasn't thinking that was going to. Let's keep. Let's keep going back to that. Um, and well, Steve, you you said something. I mean, we were lucky in the first. Sorry, Lucas, real quick. Uh, we were lucky in the first half to be down by three going into halftime because at what 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 was the time of possession after the first quarter I think so in, in the second quarter we had had 13 plays oklahoma state had 14 first downs the time of possession was f- roughly four minutes 40 seconds to 13 40 or something our like. defense was on the field and we went ton. fast at that point we are we get the ball back and we went lightning fast yeah. with again something we've talked about for a year and a half if it works, no one's complaining. It doesn't it's not work. It's not working. What are you doing? And then what it, makes you think it'll work? We talked about last week, they were stacking the box, daring us to throw at Kansas, and we didn't throw deep the entire game. And then today, it's like Levy heard everybody complaining about it, and even Brent Venables in the postgame saying we should have taken some shots downfield. So what does he do on second and seven? He throws a 40-yard ball down the field. Third, when the their next safeties play, are back. The next play, third when's and seven, the, when that's we're going to throw the, it 35 yeah, yards the, yeah, down the The numbers field. aren't dictating it. Yeah, right. That's what we were afraid of in our uh, midweek pod. Is he going to overcorrect yep. and be aggressive for no reason? And Jay watched tons of Baylor film you know, over the years and loved the idea of their offense coming here because it was a numbers game. If they've got this many guys in the box, you do this. If they've got the other, if they got less guys in the box, then you run the ball. You know, it's it's a numbers game, but it doesn't appear like Levy has any type of Baylor offense in him. I don't think he's looking at it. Any type of any offense. There's no identity. There's no clue that you have a concept of what we're trying to achieve. And he doesn't build off of successes or Mm -hmm. even plays that aren't 
completely successful that are just partially successful. Like, sometimes you run plays and they only get three or four yards, but it's right. to use something later right. to build off of and it. And he never does to that. To take it for 40, ever. Everything is just its own sporadic random play yes that and nothing is building towards something else and it's never a misdirection of here's the thing you've seen on film multiple yeah. times and i'm going to do something spring something completely different out of it that never happens yeah, there's, there's a key word here in his job title of offensive coordinator a guy who has no idea how to coordinate none there's no coordination in anything that he does offensively from a play calling standpoint from a scheming standpoint, from a momentum standpoint, all of it. It's just it's just like a hot mess of man, I hope this works. Yeah. Even if as ridiculous as it is, Oklahoma State still had to tr- probably prepare for jet sweeps. Mm-hmm. Even though no matter how much everyone complained and made a whole <laughs> joke about it, they still had to worry about a jet sweep. Do something to counter a fake jet sweep. Exactly. Anything. Yes. At all. Just pull the ball back. Anything. And hit a receiver that there's no business throwing to because of if you're really running a jet sweep. Yes. There's many, many things. You don't have to get crazy creative to come up with ideas that obviously you have one-on-one matchups if they prepared for the jet sweep and you go about trying to exploit that. But he has no semblance of that. Another thing he doesn't have a clue about is down in distance in critical situations. Last play of the game offensively, we throw behind the sticks. And in the press game conference, uh, press conference, they asked him and he said it should have been a yard deeper. Dipshit, that wouldn't have been far enough. And to what side of the field was it? Short side. Short side. Short side. Oh, well, we see the short so side. So even if your receiver catches it, he has absolutely no room to turn up field. And back to, I mean, to go two weeks in a row and throw a player under the bus like he has yes. in critical in critical game deciding moments like that. Bush I, league. It's bush league and it's childish. It's like man, this this speaks is, to character. This Deflection. is who we have as as our offensive yeah. coordinator, a blue blood offensive coordinator right now. Yep. And you're sitting there blaming your players. And back to home base. Get the it, hell out of here. Does that fit with the soul mission? Does that fit with the character we're trying to build? Absolutely no. not. You think yeah, you think kids you think kids who are coming in hearing that Want to play for that? Absolutely not. We can complain about DUG and our shuffled offensive line and the running back rotations and uh, receivers. At the end of the day, there are literally 125 offensive coordinators that want this job oh. and would succeed to the umpteenth power with the, the players we have on this team. Yeah, absolutely. We played three teams in a row. One of the guys might be, as an analyst right now, Seth yeah, Trail. We played three teams in a row, roughly ranked 100th, 100th in total defense. And we can't muster up enough points to win a football game. Last, Last week, th- defense did decent, actually better than the score probably shows. This week, they absolutely played well enough mm-hmm. to win this football game. There is no question... You know, the way football has evolved, 27 points, holding someone to 27 points, that is an absolute win. Well, and, and Unless in you're honesty, Iowa. they actually held them to, to 20 points because 
part of that 27 is our pathetic offense who gives them the ball back in a situation and allows them to come down and get a touchdown. Part of that's officiating, too. We'll talk about that. But, yeah. No, I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. I mean, that's just my tangent. Yeah. It's just 27 points by your defense against the nation's top running back and the guy that's just been thrust into the Heisman of how amazing he is. What do you have, four and a half yards of carry? I mean, yeah, he was basically 4. shut 4. down in terms yes. of football terms nowadays. He was shut down as a runner. And to not score more than 27 points on a 100th-ranked defense in the country is there's no other word other than unacceptable. If you if you ask us or any OU fan the day before this season starts, when you play OSU, you're going to give them you're going only going to give up 27 points. Will you take that? You unequivocally take that Absolutely. all day every day. You to take every opponent even if they're not on the whole schedule. Huge like That's we don't know true. how good their defense is, but right. you still take 27 points in this day and age of college football. You hold Anybody a team to 27 under, you should be winning that yeah. game. Nick yeah. Saban would take that. Yeah. Preseason. Hey, Nick, you hold everyone to 27 points or less. I'll take it. Yeah. He expects and demands that his offense can put up considerably more points than that to be able to win that game. So, I guess we can rant and rave about it all we want. What's, I guess, comforting is the fact that I'm, I would suppose, 80 to 90% of the Sooner Nation agrees with us. Maybe 70% when you throw in the people that probably aren't paying a lot of attention or are just loyalists who always want to just root for whoever happens to be in the job. But I think the tide has turned dramatically. It, I don't want to interject because Please do. what's going to happen too is nationally, right, the people that didn't watch the game, they're going to look at the offense and, and see that we put up like 490 yards Yeah, and not see that that well, the offense the, was an issue. It's the Dylan Gabriel effect, right? Mm-hmm. Like nobody's wa- if if you're not watching the game, like we watch the game, and you see his stat lines, it's seventy percent. Dylan completion. Gabriel to New York. Dylan Gabriel for Heisman. It's BS. It's it's all ignorance, and it's it's also just a lack of of watching the game itself. So I don't. Well, know. Well, my it's question so is: bad. Is Lebby fighting for his job at this point? Do we believe he's fighting for his job? Both. He should have a job. Do, well, I know I agree, but do we believe? He sees it that way, and do we believe it is true that he's fighting for his job? Now, maybe part of your answer is no because his job is gone. I don't think that's probably true, unfortunately. I mean, it's... I don't know. I don't think... I didn't, I didn't think there was any chance that he would survive a game, a bedlam game, where we scored this few points. I really didn't. I didn't think we were going to score so this what low. Do you think? What, how do you feel about it? Do you think that he, he... Is it done? Is he on the hot seat? Is he done? Is he not even on the hot seat? What, what? I think he's done. I don't think that means that he's not going to coach the rest of the season. I right. think he's done. But so, so at this point, he's got lame duck status Yes, in your mind. That's I, dangerous. I think if that's the case, you make a midseason season You make fight. the move now. I don't think Brent's got the guts to get rid of him by the end of the season. I don't, I don't either. I don't I think you I, have. I think, I think you, you have to wait. I think, unfortunately, the way college football is set up, I think you have to wait till the signing period, uh, you the December be, you signing may period. Be right. You may be right. You have right. to. You you can't so can him right now if because you can't scramble to find whatever off x amount of offensive players you have committed. All right, so from two different angles, does Jeff Lebby think logically that he should play Jackson Arnold now? And two, does Brent Venables think logically he should play Jackson Arnold now to get him ready for the SEC? And do we think he should play Jeff Lebby now? Jackson Arnold. Yep. I mean Jack. Yeah, Jackson Arnold. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I think I think I can probably speak for all of us here. Yes, we should play Jackson Arnold now. The season that we're talking about right now, you can talk about a roundabout way where we end up in the conference championship game. It's not going to happen. Um, Pure chaos. Would... It, it won't. It it won't happen. It's not going to fall that way for us. I don't think. I think you need to do and and if you're Jeff Levy and you uh, Steve, to your point, if you are fighting for your job, which I think you are, I don't think it's necessarily lost at this point, um, even though it should be. But if you're fighting for your job, you're going into that meeting room on Monday or whenever it is with Brent and saying, "Look, this is now is the time that we scrap this year and we it's pure preparation for next year." And if Jeff has some vision that he has for Jackson, he needs to start showcasing that he has it. And not only has it, but he can execute upon it now. And that, that would be my pitch if I'm Jeff Levy. Yeah. I, I have Jackson Arnold. I can play with him, watch what we can do, and this is how I can make sure that we go into the SEC competitive with me having my job and Jackson at the helm. See, fortunately or unfortunately for the sport of college football, this is where it's become more pro-centric in terms of nobody cares anymore about Okay, let me put it. The Blue Bloods in college football do not care anymore about some middle-of-the-road bowl win anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the playoff effect. And if that is out of the picture and that's out of the way, then you have got to do what you need to do to next season. It is on to next season. It sucks for the seniors on the team. It sucks for maybe your starting quarterback in Dylan Gabriel's instance. But... Everything we do from literally the right bus ride home right now is for next year and beyond. There is no more rest and of this to year. That effect, Nobody cares. As a benefit, we don't take that big of a step back, I don't think, in doing that. I don't that. either. And that's, that's my thought as well is give Jackson the West Virginia game. Just say, hey, this is – like, just be like, hey, this, you're the guy this week. To, Jay, to your point – And it will not happen. No, nope. it, it, it won't. Happen. It absolutely won't. It won't happen, but – Give like give Jackson the West Virginia game and Steve your exact point. I do not think you would see a noticeable um, drop off between what we saw today and what we've been seeing this season to that game. In fact, you may see something better. You give Seth Luttrell three games with Jackson Arnold. Here's your audition. Well, then that definitely is you've lost your job, which counters to your point about in today's college football. Maybe but I'm you saying can't that's do what it. that's what I would do. But maybe you do it. That's what I do. And. And if you're, you know, I don't know what Brent Venable's thinking is. but You maybe need to see thinking, if Jackson Arnold can even freaking play. Because well, we don't even know that yet. If your thinking is Seth Luttrell is my guy, you definitely make that move now. Jeff Lebby goes away right away. And Seth Luttrell's your guy because then you tell recruits, this, this is, is the it. future. This is what it looks like. And also, if you're Brent Venables and you think you need to make a move with Jeff Lebby, you probably don't play Jackson Arnold. Because you don't want things to be better for Lebby. You don't want to make it difficult to fire him. Yeah. So you might as well Well, you fire don't play him. Arnold with Levy. Right. Yeah. So you, you get rid of Levy, play Jackson yes. Arnold with Seth Luttrell or whoever, and I, I think that's a winning combination in terms of making good decisions for the future. It is a difficult thing to do, but you get paid millions of dollars to do that type of thing. Yeah, nobody feels bad for Levy at $1.8 million a year if he no, loses No, and job. no one feels bad for Brent Venables who have no. to make a tough decision like that. Lucas, what do you think? I don't think anything will happen. I, I think Jeff Lebby's still our offensive coordinator next year, unless somehow we win the next three games and some mid-run team comes a calling to be the head coach, like a UTEP or something. But you agree it all should happen. Oh, yeah. 
But I don't think you should have been hired to begin with. Will happen. Right. What but are you, you saying on the Jackson Arnold versus Gabriel the rest of the season? I don't. Yeah, I don't think you have anything to lose. Yeah. You're you're out of the playoff picture for sure. Yeah. You're more than likely out of the Big Twelve title. Um, so. And if you if, aren't, if it's, it's back to your this, best chance of winning, it. we talked about the floor. Jackson Arnold's floor is probably very similar to Dylan Gabriel's floor as far as if they both had a bad game. You're looking at probably scoring the same amount of points. But the upside, just based on arm strength alone and accuracy, I don't care what Dylan Gabriel's 70% is because none because I could throw 75, for 60% 75 or 80% of those offense. passes are inside of 10 yards. That, that shouldn't be hard to complete. But Arnold being able to throw it 40 yards on a rope should get him the opportunity yep. to go show what he can do and and build some confidence going into next season. I mean, what, and what are the only? Sorry, go ahead. Go, I was going to say, go ahead and f- finish that thought. I'm just saying, what I mean, what what is the for Brent Venables right now? If I asked him, if we asked him this question to his face, to Lucas's point, what do you have to lose in doing this, or what are you putting at stake? Is it you're just sacrificing your loyalty to your players, to your player, Dylan Gabriel. And I think that has something, a, a lot with Brent to do with it. So, I don't well, know. Well, that, that's, a, that's a perfect question point because that is exactly what, in the realm of what I was thinking, needs to be thought about. Um, Brent Venables needs to think about his future. And uh, He's f- flirting it, with... He better be careful. Yeah. He may need to make a move quickly including getting Jackson Arnold good because he may not have a future here and be able to, to, see, to see this thing through. You may need to get Jackson Arnold good enough so that you are competitive and can win in the SEC, or you may not see a year four. Yeah. So he needs to be thinking about that. I would hope that he is because I hope that he feels the heat. I hope that he feels this isn't good enough, and I really do think he does. Um, I will criticize, I think it has to come down to Venables on a couple different things. One is, right before the end of the half, Oklahoma State is on a fourth down. There's 39 seconds left, roughly. And he chooses not to call a timeout, which allowed Mike Gundy to go down to two seconds and throw a Hail Mary pass. Now, fortunately for us, it was Bowman throwing the Hail Mary, and he can't even get it to the end zone. But if he calls timeout, then... They have to punt the ball. We don't have to field the ball. We, can, we don't even have to do much rather than, other than just play safe defense, if we wish, and hope that they, they hike the ball over his head. We can be pretty certain, we, although Nunez, as our special teams coach, probably needs to be shown the door as well. We should be pretty confident that we can keep ourselves from a major mistake there, and yet we gave them a free play at the end zone. I think that was a big mistake. You guys may differ in your opinion. No, I agree on it. with that. It was uh, two, Jay, it was two weeks in a row that we decided to not do something about having the ball in the final possession before halftime and being a, being aggressive. Kind of a soft position. And then let's debate a little bit about what I think is not the clearest cut decision, one way or the other. It could be argued. At the end of, uh, near the end of the game, we choose to kick a field goal on fourth and 12 with about four minutes and 52 seconds left, rather than trying to go for it on fourth. Here's my logic that I think we should have gone for it. If you get it, 
you're still in position to get a touchdown, which is a go-ahead touchdown with the extra point. In which case, there's considerably less than four minutes, I mean, unless you score on the, that play, and you have to get a stop. But you're ahead. If you don't get it, you've got to get a stop and get the ball back. We choose to kick a field goal, which, yes, the upside is you're only down by three, but then you absolutely have to get a stop because you're kicking the ball off. The stop that you would have to get if you were not successful in the other instance. It did work out that we actually did get the stop and got the ball back. We just couldn't get down the field to get, obviously, an attempt at the field goal, uh, stalling out on, on four downs midfield. I think we should have gone for it. I would rather see us be aggressive there. Knowing you have to get a stop one way or the other, I'd rather have the option to either get a stop deep in their territory or you've got the go-ahead points and you get a stop after kickoff. I was on board with a field goal for the reasons of you have to get the stop one way or the other. And Oklahoma State with a three-point lead, um, if, if we score the touchdown, they're, they're going to be very conservative on their on their what should have been their last possession essentially which gave us the ball back and did and did and stupidly they threw it in they threw a oh, that was an incomplete pass that stopped the clock for us and saved us from having to burn a timeout on the the second down i believe third down was it third down because we call a timeout on second they incomplete on the third and then say we still have one timeout left um so we got the ball back in position to go win the game with a touchdown or tie it with a field goal and more than likely go to overtime. And I don't trust a 4th and 12 play to Jeff Levy any more than I trusted him to go down the field and score or go down the field and get a field goal to tie the game. And at that point on that drive, it was another one of those nothing looked smooth or calculated on that drive that we stalled out. That could be true, and so With the an fourth and twelve we'll felt about in a second. The fourth and twelve felt very, you know, out of reach. Yes, sort of. We'll talk about that in a second because it relates to officiating. And I will grant you, with Jeff Lebby, I don't have a lot of confidence there. So maybe should we look at it as that's Brent Venables expressing not a lot of confidence in Jeff Lebby on a fourth and twelve? But well, if you're putting more faith. And you're a terrible place kicker than you are in Jeff Levy on picking up a 4th and 12. It does say all you need to know. So maybe it does. Although, I'll stand by. I wish we would have gone for it. Even though we got the ball back and it seemed to work out the way you'd want it to work out. I don't know. Uh, and, I, and I reserve the right to say, if the analytics came back a certain way, you're probably right. And maybe the analytics we don't have to look at. It's Jeff Levy. And... But Jeff Levy has to lead a, a, a drive down the field, so you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. What I don't was know. the little tangent here, because Lucas kind of nudged me earlier. What was the, did you recall the down and distance when we missed the field goal early in the game? Um, the wide right. Um, I think it was a, was a 47-yard field goal. So I don't like a fourth and seven fourth, or something? Yeah, something along those lines. So, Which he had the leg this time. He he missed it to the right by what less than a foot. I mean, it was pretty close. Yeah, I mean, it was. It wasn't a well-driven ball. It no, took forever he, he getting gets there. A lot. He gets a lot of foot under the ball. It's, I don't know. It's and it's. I think maybe, to Steve's point, with uh, towards the end of the game, that may have been where I was at as well. Um, man, if, I mean, if Schmidt continues on. 
the path that he was on and, and missing field goals, you're in the same you're in the same position you would have been in if you don't get it on fourth down. So I don't know. It's a it's a tough call. I'm with Steve. I agree. I th- I think I would have rather seen us be aggressive and go for it. Um, well, I trust Jeff Lebby in fourth and long more than I do in fourth and short. Apparently, we were aggressive so. on the the play where they threw it to Brennan Thompson on like a seven yard route or whatever it was. It was just a it was not a good sequence in general on the yeah. He didn't have any space. Uh, the throw wasn't very good either way. Well, Steve, you brought it up too. It's like. I don't know why we feel like we have to run in front of or just at the sticks to get a first down when we need it. Run five like, yards deeper. Yeah. How many times we watched them run, watch OSU run comebacks because we didn't use press cover, right. coverage. And on a fourth and seven, you send your guy 11 yards and he comes back and he catches it at nine yards. How many times was the open middle of the field open today? How many times I mean, were Drake Seuss made a living in the middle of that field? It is mind-boggling how... He goes away from things as if there's no way they can work because they worked earlier. It is so frustrating. Um, on that 4th and 12, it's 4th and 12 for a very specific reason. Does anyone remember why it's 4th and 12 and not 1st and goal at the 2-yard line? Hmm. Yeah. It seems like I remember because two Drake years Stoops ago a guy getting tackled in the end zone and yet again, Drake Stoops got tackled in the end zone in what is the most textbook pass interference in the end zone you can get. You mean, Absolutely. You mean he doesn't have to and catch out with, the with one still. arm tied behind his back? Yeah. It is unbelievable. It is just fascinating how creative they can get on keeping the flags in their pockets. So that's the first one in well, a series one, of really. bad ones. Yeah. Well, the first one. The worst one. The, the worst. The worst. Well, is it? I don't know. Uh, they had, a third, they had then, a third and then seven. We, then we kicked the field goal and we kicked the ball off. And we we then stopped them on first and second down. It's third and six. And no, what happens? So, no, this is... It's reversed. So you're reversed. That happened first. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. It all, yeah, it all runs together six. because they all happened so close together that it eerily handing <laughs> OSU the game... Sorry, I, I need to loosely say that. It didn't hand in the game. There's a lot of stuff that lost us the game. But, Steve, the, yeah, the Drake one You're happened right. last. After. Yeah, yeah. It was the last thing. Well, let's go backwards. Macari let's talk Vickers about the series in before. coverage. And it's third and six. They're pinned deep. I don't know what. They're, we, well, they're we had the Gabriel. Ten? The, the Gabriel the, punt. Yeah, was 15. 15? Which yeah, yeah, we've been oh, calling yeah, for yeah, for yeah. years. Yes, that's right. We've been calling yeah. for it to the three. For a punt. Oh, yeah, we pooch punt. A pooch, pooch punt. punt. He pooch punts it perfectly. To we, the three. We, we field it and stop them the way you'd want to on the three-yard line. That's right. That's Great right. play. Great play. We've is been that, calling forever Was that special teams or was that a Jeff Lebby deal? Or is that Brent Venable saying? I think it might have been Brent. Because that was, I don't know what the down, it was fourth and, I don't know, fourth and four, six or eight, five, somewhere around yeah. there maybe, whatever. And we went out there like we were going to go for it. It's fourth and and five, in, instead, yeah. we get the Dylan Gabriel pooch punt to the three, executed perfectly. Something we've said for years you should be you should have in your arsenal. And then, OSU gets the ball, we stop him on first down, second down, it's third and six or seven. Uh-huh. They throw the ball down the field. Makari Vickers is in absolutely perfect coverage. The offensive, the wide receiver, number 10, don't know which one it was, he pushes him once. He, McCarty Vickers recovers, 
Then he pushes him a second time. To the ground. To the ground, and then goes to catch the ball, doesn't doesn't complete the catch. No, he does catch it. So it should no, he didn't. He um, dropped he it. Didn't oh, catch he dropped it. He dropped it. So Even it with all been, that, he dropped it. It should have been fourth and seven or six from OSU's own seven yard line, I want to no, say. It shouldn't have. It should have been fourth. It, well, yeah, well, we would have declined, declined the penalty. It should have been offensive pass yeah. interference. Yeah, that's what you it could have called been. it twice on the same play on the same guy, but instead they call penalty on defensive pass interference. It should have, it would have been them punting from the seven yard line, which gives us the ball ahead twenty one to seventeen. That's right. Inside, more than likely the fifty, because yep. they're no. punting. Uh, 20, twenty. They uh, were punting from the seven. Twenty one to twenty. It was third. It was third and five at the OSU eight when that happened. Twenty five to tw- okay. twenty one to what 20. was the score? Twenty one. Uh, yeah, to 20. we we were up. We were up. T- uh, yeah, twenty one seventeen. Twenty one seventeen. Okay, that's the field so, goal. So they're punting. No, they they end up scoring a touchdown on that. Oh play. yeah, we held yeah. them to a field goal after the turnover. So they call pass. They call pass interference on us. Gives him the ball. First down. Fifteen yard penalty. Brent loses his mind. No, rightfully so. No, no, no. I wouldn't even say that. No, he walks out on the field yeah, to question true. the call. Yeah, Brent yeah. said in the post-game interviews, <clears throat> I didn't cuss at him or anything like that. Too, I just he went too far, too far out. That gives him an additional 15 yards, BS. much like last week. BS. 30 yards on one play. Yep. Bad Ident- calls identical. both times. And here's identical. what else happened on the one that last drive. week was was Darby tackles a guy too hard apparently. Dolby, yeah. Dolby, sorry, tackles a guy too hard. 15-yard penalty. Biedenboe mouths something off to the ref and gets 15 yards. This this week, same situation. Terrible call, 15-yard penalty. Venables goes on the field, gets another 15-yard penalty. So now OSU has the ball driving down the field instead of punting to us inside their 50. And here's what else happened on that same drive. So there is to the near side of the field, if you're watching it on TV, there is a pass to the flat. And an absolute textbook block in the back, right in front of the official who keeps his flag in his pocket. Plain as day. Plain as day. It was a first down catch for about two yards past the sticks. The announcers pointed it out. Everyone pointed it out. Plain Everyone saw it. A couple plays there, later. There, there, a couple plays later, there's a, a hold on the 15-yard run by Ollie Gordon that gets him down to about the two-yard line. And then... There is what is called a pass interference on Bowman in the end zone, giving them first and goal at the two, which was definitely not a pass interference because the ball was completely uncatchable. And it wasn't on Bowman. It was on Kip Lewis. It might have been a holding, but they called it completely wrong. So I guess that's the only one I can give them grace on is there actually probably was a, a penalty on OU there, but you got every bit of it wrong. Yeah, you complete morons. Absolutely ridiculous. I, it's it's the craziest, most baffling sequence of officiating that I have seen in that small amount of time. It's crazy. I don't. I I know that we have talked about the you know the conspiracy or the bias or whatever the hell you want to call it. It's. I don't. I don't know what we watched at the end of that game from an officiating standpoint. And it reached national proportions on Twitter because people with no skin in the game, like Big Cat, um, just mentioned how egregious it was. Um, several other um, college football college accounts, football accounts yeah. were like, this is just 
ridiculous. And and they went even further to, to say, if you if you look at all the call or the non calls or calls against OU in Texas, like it's egregiously obvious. Well, when you have Orange Bloods, the Texas uh, fan site, who, who is have no love, obviously zero percent comment on how bad it is and how much, how big of a missed call it is. I mean, that that says a lot. So, I we we talked a little bit about it last week. I'll be interested to see if the Big Twelve releases a statement on this because they should, because it's a joke, and it's completely these people shouldn't have their jobs. It should not have jobs, and if they keep their jobs, there should be some sort of repercussions to how bad they were. I know they get post game reports delivered to them. If that's all, if that's the extent to say, hey, you missed it, and then I see them on the field next week, it's not enough. I don't think these people can read. These gentlemen don't have the skill of literacy. They sure as hell can't stupid. see. These are stupid, stupid people. It's ridiculous. It's it's unbelievable. Um, and notice, we are what, you know, we're forty five minutes into this pod or so before we're talking about officiating. So don't any of you out there that are that are listening to this think that this was what we're griping about. We griped about our own shortcomings that caused us to lose this game, but it's really hard to look past the officiating as a cause of our problems. And I can't feel good about a game if my team wins with this kind of stuff that went on. Oklahoma State fans, maybe they can because they're not that into college football. I know that everybody that's an Oklahoma State fan went to school there because apparently that's a thing that's that matters. Yeah, I think, some, I somehow, yeah. For some reason, that matters. I don't know why that's, that's such a thing. It, yeah, if you guys were any good at football and any good at sports that anyone cared about, you would have other people that would root for you outside of the people that go to school there, but you're well, just not, like everybody and no that's a cares. Dallas Cowboys fan lived Play, in Dallas. Yeah, lived in Dallas. Grew up in Dallas. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, and was either a Cowboy cheerleader yeah. or was uh, you know on the the Cowboys roster at one point under Tom Landry because that's the way it works. Like it just it's such a stupid thing. Yes, I'm bitter for losing the last bedlam. I wanted to beat this team, this rinky dink team, for the for the last time for a while to have beaten them more than any other team has beaten any other. We're only tied for that record with Nebraska versus Kansas, and I am proud of that. It just bugs me. It is frustrating to see something go down like this. Um, I honestly think if they would have just straight up beat us like they did in 2011, like they did because of our own mistakes in 2014, in 2001, and 2002, I'd be okay with it. That's a loss. You lose games. But we're losing a game tonight because of our own poor play and officiating that was god-awful in crunch time when it really mattered. Took, yeah, the, ball, it, took the ball out of our hands twice. And it's embarrassing on their part, too, that they just absolutely come out of the woodworks. I Personally, I mean, maybe it's just the beverages, maybe it's just my emotions right now, but I wouldn't be this celebratory over this win. If, no. If, if, if we had beat, I don't know, say Texas and... There were just multiple egregious calls, and and OU wins the game. I feel it's just weird absurd. about it. I feel I'm like, bad. I'm like, I feel this doesn't feel right. Like you want to win the game legitimately, like, right? Actually, play better and win the game. Yep. And if you don't understand what we're getting at, you don't understand football. You don't understand. Yes, there are bad calls in every game. There are missed calls, but these were so egregious, and these were so critical. 
in the critical part of the game. We're not talking about stuff that happened in the first quarter, guys. We're talking about stuff that happened in the depths of the fourth quarter when the game was completely in doubt and when OU was in great scoring position. It's very frustrating. I'm ready to be done with this conference. I'm ready to be done with teams like this. I don't want to play with for, against teams to this degree, and it really it's the entire conference now outside of us in Texas, who are not programs who are ever going to compete for anything. If they, can, if they get into a college football playoff when there's four teams, it's a miracle. They're going to get a team into the 12-team playoff, and they're not going to succeed. They're not going to be able to stack up. They're going to be the equivalent of Pac-12 after dark going forward. We need to get out of this conference so quickly. And I really hope for the sake of the game that officiating steps up across the board everywhere. And I really expect in the SEC it's going to be better. Yeah, it has to. I mean, it, yeah, that, I think for sure. And I, Something I we talked about a little bit before, and I think coming out of this game, outside of the, the missed calls and everything else, the most frustrating part, you know, maybe back to leaning on Levy a little bit um, in, in terms of criticism, we, the lack and the, the inability to put teams away with the opportunities that we have and that we have had week in and week out, regardless if we're on the winning side or regardless if we were losing, it's something we saw all last year. It's something that we've seen the last couple weeks um, Three and, weeks. Even even against Texas. Even against U UCF. U UCF. Even uh, in a victory, even so, against Texas when um, we had opportunities. The inability to extend the lead to two scores and to really put pressure. Um, and then when you get to two scores to maintain the maintain that pressure and, and extend it even mm -hmm. further. Um, it's a it's a massive criticism towards the offensive staff, towards Jeff Levy towards everything that we're doing on that side of the ball. And if you, I know I've, I've said it and I've drawn the parallel before, but you want to draw the parallel between this offense and the Alex Grinch defenses that we've had where our offenses are scoring in bunches, but we can't put a game away because our defense can't get off the field. Um, it's the same exact thing just on the other side of the ball. It is. Our defense is doing everything that they have to do to keep you in it, to get you back on the field for offense, to get you the ball. And we completely come up empty, time in and time out. It's it's just it's, it's a crazy. joke. It's it's, it's just, ridiculous. It's pathetic. Well, I look at it from this standpoint. It's like if you if you own a position. I'm going to relate it to what I do for a living. And you you own port, a portfolio of securities. Every time you look at those, you need to decide: Would I buy it today? Just because you own it doesn't mean you would continue to hold it. You need to think: Would I buy it? With what we've seen out of Jeff Levy, would we hire him today? This body of work, would we hire him at, no at this program? No way. No. Not, not scoring, what was the stat? Not scoring more than 30? More than 35 points against, against any power, against five, power five, five team. team. Except yeah. once this year, and then I think, I don't remember what, it, very few times last year. Uh, yeah, very few times last year, and definitely not down the stretch. I mean, you look at the SMU game, and we couldn't put them away. Um and I know they had a, a better than average defense, but not much more, if that's even true. Uh, we're not playing great defenses. These are bad defenses. They're rated really poorly. Yeah, if when any, you're talking triple digits. Yeah. The last three games, and we haven't broken, what, 33 points? Kansas? We are, my, yeah, and we're minus, we're in net, we're minus 
five points, I think. We beat UCF by one and then have lost the last two games by three. Is that right? Yeah. So against 104, 106, 112, whatever those numbers are. I guess we lost by four. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. It, it's there's it it's so frustrating as you look at it there's there's no good explanation for it there's no there's no way to spin this and say anything other than this is really really poor well below what we deserve what this program is designed to do this is not excellence and this isn't the pursuit of excellence so this is going to be real telling where we go in the next few weeks and what we do is going to be very, very interesting. It's going to maybe define Brent Venable's career. His decisions in the next few weeks are, are going to be critical to what he can do. My biggest fear is either we play Jackson Arnold now and he's just good enough in a Lebby offense for Lebby to keep his job, or somehow we don't have the guts to move Jeff Lebby out of this position and he is still our coach, as Lucas fears, coming into next season, and Jackson Arnold, again, is just good enough for him to keep his job. It's going to be really tough to be uh, a fan who doesn't raise a lot of ruckus, and I think I don't speak for just myself, but many fans when I say that, if that is really the case. I don't see how Jeff Levy rectifies and turns the ship around for Jeff Levy in our offense right now. How many back-to-back regular season games did Bob Stoops lose in his... 20 that would be zero. Years. Zero? That would be none. He never lost back-to-back games in no, a regular he did season? Not. No, he did not. How about Brent Venables? How many times have we lost back-to-back games in a regular season? Venables is two three and, times? Two and seven. Three times. Three times. We're two and seven in one-score games. That's it's not good enough. You know what that sounds but like? That sounds like Nebraska. It sounds. It does. And that's something we talked about in the off-season when we were talking about, you know, get to know a homer and a realist. We... We all address that to one degree or another, the fear that you're becoming Nebraska. And I'm not saying that's Jeff, that's Brent Venables, but it's something that has to be in the back of your mind as a fear. Now, that said, I'd rather than be, you know, one score games than we're getting blown out. That's a whole different level. He's not keeping his job if we're getting blown out. It tells you how good we are on defense in this case, how close we are, if you will, how fixable this is. You know why it's fixable? Because we have... One major problem we have to fix, and that is the offensive coordinator position. We have to get that changed. And special teams. That that's that comes along for the yeah. ride with everything else. That it does, but, but that's not critical. You fix, you get the best special teams coach in the entire world, and we still suck. Yeah. In our mind, in in compared to our expectations. Right. If you get, if you get what we think we deserve in terms of an offensive coordinator, then we're splitting hairs about. This, this special teams. Yeah, yeah, we want better special teams, right. but it's not the critical thing. The critical thing right now clearly is offensive coordinator. Nothing against Jeff Lebby. I'm sorry, sir. You're not the man for the job. Something has to change. It has to. It has to. It, it is. It's just so frustrating. I no, this, this is, one really hurts. This it one's really, really hurts. Really, I, I don't. I, I, I hate Oklahoma State. I hate them. I don't respect them. As a football school or a football team, I don't respect that program. I don't. Res- I don't have a lot of respect for Mike Gundy. I, as as crazy and as however he pulls out the winning seasons that he does, impressive. I don't like the man. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a better word. I don't like him. I have a, a general respect for him, but it, this one, 
the way it went down today, just across the board between the execution or, or maybe the lack thereof and then the officiating at the end of it, this one really sucks. And it sucks worse because it's the last one. And as silly as that sounds, I mean, the record speaks for itself. It's not like that that changes anything. But um, I, I, there's no reason we should have lost that game today. Well, if you're Oklahoma State, you have to look at it as this, <coughs> this team in Oklahoma is choosing not to play with you anymore. They're choosing to move on, and they're moving on to better things. They're moving on past you. you got to be worried about where you're going. You won this game. You should celebrate that, albeit with the the cloud over it that is the officiating you should you should celebrate a, a victory but you got to really think about what your future is and we don't want that future and we don't want to lose to teams that that is their station in life that's what's frustrating we want to be so good that we don't lose to teams like this so that's why it hurts i think i mean don't get it twisted we're leaving for money if if it wasn't such no, a big monetary difference for money they, that's a hundred percent the reason no, no 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 if it wasn't for the the payday in the SEC, we wouldn't be leaving this conference. That's not just it. I think we're leaving also for we, well, I don't know how you separate that from success. So the, the money follows success. And we're leaving because the money is going to be associated with future success. And if we stick around, our chances of being the next Nebraska are a lot higher in the Big 12 than they are the SEC. A lot higher. I would agree with that, for sure. I think the way that the the game is evolving and, and the sport is evolving if you're not on the train you get left behind and as obvious as that sounds i mean it's like you're these teams that we're playing right now even the stupid teams that we're losing to go look at them in five to ten years it'll be very interesting to see where some of these programs are at because they're not on the money train and by not being on the money train they're not on the success train and that, to Steve's exact point, that success is going to follow the money. I mean, we're not getting some of the guys that we're getting in the on the recruiting trail and everything else if it wasn't for the move to the SEC, whether it be for money or not. So I do, I mean, after watching what we've been watching, if there isn't some sort of quick adjustment and gear shift towards a bigger and brighter future, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball, OU runs a large risk of becoming a mid-tier school in terms of just the output that we're providing because recruits look at wins and losses, and if you don't go and you don't win consistently, and maybe not even winning, if you don't put teams away that you're supposed to put away, you're not going to get those guys to uh, against an Alabama Because or they're not going to get to the pros Texas. In, those, in those cases. Exactly. So you got to be looking at this holistically to say, and that's why I think to reaffirm just what we were saying earlier, I'm not at all opposed to a mid-season firing of Jeff Levy because I think it shows some intention. And I think it shows I think it's very SEC. Some, some proactiveness. Exactly. We don't have time for this kumbaya, um, we're going to hold hands because we were in this together from the get-go and we went through some tough times. No. Go and cut some throats, and move on and get better. And you got to get better. Yeah, that, that league doesn't put up with any of this crap. Yep. It can't. I mean, they don't. You can't. They don't wait around for this stuff. They fire head coaches who win national championships two seasons after. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ed Orgeron, uh, Gus Malzahn, or no, did they win it? They win Auburn title? No, it was uh, Gene Chizik. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, 
Auburn wins the national championship. Two years later, they fire their coach. Well, LSU wins the national championship. Look at two years later, what fire we their all coach. have to agree is is currently and maybe perennially, in terms of all accomplishments, the most successful coach in the history of college football, Nick Saban. He is not afraid to make moves, and he knows that you and have he to make moves. He doesn't bat an eye when he has to. He doesn't. Yep. He doesn't seem to. Re- he, he understands it's a business, and everyone understands that's what it is. And these people land on their feet. This is not uh, some kind of cancellation where they get um, exiled to Elba. Or Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Levy could be, be the next. Fine. He could be the next uh, Lane Kiffin. Absolutely. I mean, the guy just falls forward, you know, all over himself. Yeah. Go, well, so, go, so let me ask you. And learns. And yeah. learns. Because he's and maybe he is. And maybe he does great. Yeah. Just here's, like here's a perfect Josh example Heupel. for you. Josh Heupel. Josh yeah. Heupel. He he loses. Bob Suits fires him. They have a horrible relationship from everything we hear nowadays. Sadly. Josh Josh doesn't want anything to do with the OU essentially because of that that what happened. Uh, he goes to Utah State as an mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. Goes to Missouri, gets the head coaching job at UCF. Turns them around. Well, I guess Scott Frost turned continues around. them. Continues them. Right? Now he's the head coach of Tennessee, and he's completely completely revitalized yeah. that program. And, and and honestly, the resentment as as bad as that can be in terms of what did you expect because of the situation, at some point get get over it and just say, you know what, you did me a favor because you put me in a better position to succeed. And that's just that could be the same with Jeff. But Levy. the resentment can can drive. I mean, it's the Michael Jordan effect. He couldn't play good unless he was playing out of hatred. That's a good way to And he would invent hatred. That's a good way to look at it. And so don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. I'll give you 1.8 million reasons not to feel bad or whatever it is. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, what do you guys think about this? So we have not, Jeff Levy has not had to face the media since the SMU football game. Soft. That was was after that game? No, that was at SMU. It was Cincinnati or something, wasn't it? Nope. It was the Monday following the SMU game, which he apologized for the Art Bryles in the field. After that, that's the last, time, he that's the last the time he's had to face the media. When did they cancel the? When did they cancel? That was when they canceled the coordinator. No, I thought it was after, after Cincinnati. Cincinnati. He, he came in. He came in after the Tulsa game because he'd want to, because yeah. we did a lot of stuff in the. I Tulsa think it was game. after Cincinnati. It was after Cincinnati that Brent Venables came and said that we're no longer making. They don't have the time. Maybe in roof. Available. The coordinators don't have the time to come in for ten minutes on a Monday. Okay, well, either way, which that's is a little more defensible be, been, because they have been so poorly. Maybe they absolute. It's it's as soft as you can possibly get. Yeah, that you can make one point eight million dollars, be the offensive coordinator for Oklahoma, and you can't come and face tough questions to a a media that's really not that hard on you in the first no, place. Not that hard uh, at soft, all. Soft, soft. And, in fact, yeah. to criticize the media, they need to be asking tougher questions all around. Yeah, we need to be at media days. Yeah, we do. So let me ask you guys. You guys did a question during the week, and Steve brought it up. But what is, if you guys had to gauge it now, after today, after the loss, the percent chance, the probability that Jeff Levy will be the offensive coordinator on in the first game of next season? 95%. You're still at 95? I will say it's moved. I moved mine down from 67%. To I'm going to be a homer or optimistic or however you want to say it to 33 percent. I'm going to I'm going to say I was tempted to th- I'm going to say 25 percent. I think he sticks around and I think he has another bad game. I think we lose another game. I think it's going to be tough not to lose another game. And I know we don't play very good opponents. Going to Provo in that well, you might lose the bowl game if you win the that next three. That's true. So I mean, there yeah, there's four games out there that he could lose. I guess um, I'm going to say 25 percent. What do you think? <sighs> Okay. I don't know. I'm not thinking clearly right now. Oh, you're just like Jeff Levy. Um, 
I really thought coming into today we would be pissed off. We would be aggressive to the point that it's kind of what we do. We're on a week, off a week, on a week, off a week. I think the importance of this game was just too high for him to perform at this level. I think he's done. I think he's done. So I say 0%. 0%. I love it. 0% okay. chance. I, I sure hope you're right. I hope Burn you're right. Burn it to the ground. I, I do. I Top think it's, to bottom. And I, I hope he goes and succeeds somewhere. I don't yeah. have anything I against hope anybody the guy. Who, anybody who leaves this staff, I hope they go and succeed as long Absolutely. as it's not against, a, a, against us. Or, yeah, yeah, against yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or anyone against us. But, yeah. yeah, at this point... If you're in administration, I, I don't know how you let him come back. There's just too much heat. If you're Joe Castiglione, you have to look at everything. And let's go back to the Art Bryles I mean, what situation. Can you, what can you point to that says, there's this hope. is working. We're building. Yeah, there's right. hope. It's getting better. And he's clouded. We're getting our guys in. And like, it, like, it just doesn't, there's nothing there. No, and, and you have to look at it from the situation of this guy already has baggage. And that baggage just could get worse. Let's assume that there is a, a lawsuit that comes out. And both Art Bryles and Jeff Levy are mentioned in that suit, that it's directed against them. And they're found in some degree uh, uh, responsible. It wouldn't be guilty necessarily if it was a, a civil suit. But let's say that they come down in, in a sense that they have to have a big payoff. That's really dangerous for us. We don't want that baggage. We don't need that baggage. And I'm not saying that's there, but with the cloud of everything else, this needs to be someone else's problem at this point. We deserve better. Yeah, you take that baggage with 54 points a game. Honestly, you do. Yeah, you, you honestly, do. You do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I know that may be the wrong way to look at it, but I don't think so because we're not saying that his, he's any more or less likely of being culpable in a situation, but it's with everything else that's going on, you have to look at it from the standpoint of, wow, this is red hot. I don't want to touch this anymore. Because I don't see the upside that offsets the risk that there is a downside, even if that risk is very minimal. It was interesting, too. If you're Jeff Levy, I personally would, I would go to Brent Venables. I'd be like, I'm handcuffed with what I've got. Give me Jackson Arnold so that I've got three to four, I got four games to show you. What it's going to be like next year. I can lead this team into the SEC. Right. Give me the tools. That's just what I would say if I was Jeff Levy. Now, he might not feel that way at all. He might feel like he does have it, or I don't know, and we're just not doing stuff right. A good test would be, does he come with that? And how does he, or if you're Brent Venables, you approach him and say, here's what I'm thinking we need to do. And you ask him to say, what do you think? And if he's defensive and says, no, everything's fine, you say, well, that's all I needed to know. You're You're done. Well, he's proven he's very capable of burning the players. Yeah. Because he comes out in the media, like we talked about at the very beginning. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row, and essentially blames the players for not doing what they were supposed to, and it's not his fault the offense sucks. It's a couple plays here and there that he called correctly, and we just didn't execute. Yeah. Not taking any blame whatsoever. Right. Just like he didn't take any blame with the Art Bryles. He has a proven history of deflecting That's right. everything. That's right. He handled that very poorly. And then soft on not doing the post game or not doing the weekly press conference. Mm-hmm. This guy has no accountability whatsoever in his person. And maybe a lot of defensiveness and definitely a lot of throwing other people under the bus. What's, you know, what's character Joe, what's flaws. What's Joe Brady doing right now? I don't know. Throw the bag at him. 
And you have to wonder too, the the lack of advancement of the offense going forward. Like, do you hold on to these offensive recruits with Levy? I right. know they've built a relationship right. with Levy, but he's not doing anything to prove to them right that he's the guy that we're going to take this into the SEC next year and everything's going to be fine. Right. You have no track record. I mean, all he can say to them is behind the scenes, Jackson Arnold's the best quarterback well, I've ever seen play football. What he has to be saying is, we made here's you really have to again throw players under the bus. Yes, he has to throw. Because you have to say yeah, Dylan Gabriel. I don't got the guys. We didn't know. And he got us into a situation, and he was the guy with the experience, but we don't have the guys. And as much as I love him, this is Jeff Levy hypothetically talking, as much as I love Dylan, he just wasn't the guy to get the job done. He can't possibly do what I need him to do in this offense. And if you're a recruit or a recruit's parent, you have to say, well, wait a second, you weren't forced to play him. And you had him before at another program, you so you have him. a lot of experience with him. Hand picked him. Yeah. What the hell is going on? What what makes me think that that's actually a legitimate excuse? So, I don't know. This is a real telling point. I think this is a critical pivot point for our program right now. Losing Lincoln, getting Brent was another pivot point for sure. Uh, losing Bob, getting Lincoln was a pivot point. Um, Any time that you're in these positions, you got to look at where you're headed and what you've got to work with. I just want to get back to the days of championship football and being disappointed and feeling like things were close. And I don't mean close under Lincoln. I mean back to 2008 when we are losing a game we should lose, we should win against Florida, and we're close and we're playing for a national title. I want to be back to being mad about losing a game we could have, should have won. For titles, not being in the position where we are not sniffing, maybe not even a conference championship, because we are just pathetic. And I know that three years in a row we're not where we want to be at defensively, but we're making great. You can see the strides defensively and offensively. It's just as stagnant, if even stagnant. Like it's going the other direction offensively right and, and we have a we have a plan in place where this has exceeded before bob fired hypel brought in lincoln transformed the entire offense for years if bob sticks around one more year we may win the title that year possibly yeah so there's a good chance if if brent has the guts to make this happen and bring somebody in that can transform this offense along with what he's done in the defense in a year and a half then you have to be happy with your chances going forward. Well, it's ex- expectation. Brent <clears throat> founded his whole philosophy and everything that he said that he was going to do for OU on the statement that he was the guy to take OU into the SEC. Mm-hmm. Right now, with the offensive coordinator, even most of the offensive staff that we have, Brent Venables is not setting OU up to do that. No. He's so if he is the guy, failure. if he's the guy to do that, and, if, and I would go back and replay that if I'm Joe Castiglione and put it on in front of him and say, are you that guy? Because if you are, we got some decisions to make right now exactly. to do that. Exactly the point I was going to make. Joe Castiglione, as the de facto general manager of this program, has to be having that conversation with Brent. 
to say, look, help me understand where you are with this. Help me understand what you think should happen because here's what I think should happen. It's not adding up. And it's not adding up. And if you need me to be the bad guy, I'll be the bad guy. But somebody's got to be the bad guy here. And it can't be that big of a shock to Jeff Levy that it ain't happening. No. That I look back to all the way back to Heupel as an example. I'll go further back than that. This is a lot like the John Blake years. When you got a guy that you wanted to succeed, uh, a guy from your history. Yeah, in the storybook, we never want to fire a guy. No one wants to see that happen. It's real life. It happens. Things aren't working out. You've got to cut ties and move on. It's best for everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Anything else to cover? I think we've got it. Thanks to Tobacco Exchange, of course, as our post-game sponsor. Go check them out. Go, go into the shop and get some cigars and, and tell them that, that, that we sent you there, two homers and a realist. They'll appreciate it, and you'll appreciate it because it's a great customer experience. I hope to have great experiences going forward for the rest of this season, and I hope to see some progress that we can carry into the SEC. We're going to have a lot to talk about on the coming pods, about where we headed, what's going on, what are the developments. This thing could move fast on us, guys, in a, in a really good way, or it could progress very painfully slowly. We'll be here the whole time to, to gripe, complain, analyze, and to applaud and laud those who are doing well. Until then, Boomer, Sooner. Sooner.